0: You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny LaRue, and I'm so happy to bring you your team every day. This is a solo episode, I guess that's what we'll call it, so it's just me without a guest. But it's a topic that I I really find interesting, and it's that during the last week while we were doing positions and everything like that, the over-under wins for the season came out from the Westgate in Las Vegas and the Warriors number is fascinating, because it is 66.5, so that means that they need to win 67 games if they win 66 or fewer then the bet loses. And if that sounds like a lot of wins, it it is that way for a good reason, and that is that in NBA history, only 12 teams have won 67 or more games, and... I'm sure some people will think that, you know, oh, well, what about in, in shorter seasons? And in NBA, in MBA, and that extends into BAA, which is the precursor of history, only one team in has played a shorter season and won an appropriate number of games. And it's a kind of a crazy little nuance that I didn't know until prepping this podcast. This is the 46-47 Washington Capitals, a team that was coached by a 29-year-old named Red Auerbach, and that was who Red coached before he ended up on the Celtics in his early 30s. So that team won enough games... I believe it was in 60, I think they went 49-11, and 11. so that is the same thing. But other than that, 12 teams. So even in those shorter lockout seasons and everything like that, you know a lot of those 12 teams. Two great Celtics squads, three Michael Jordan Bulls teams, a couple of great Lakers squads, the best Shaq Kobe team in 99-2000, best breaker season one, one of the uh, best Jerry West teams, and then the last two Warriors teams. And, and that's one of the things that makes this so different, is that As great as the Michael Jordan Bulls were, in his entire tenure, they won 67 or more games three times. And if the Warriors did it this year, they would be doing it three years in a row, which is something that that MJ's Bulls never did. It's something that nobody has ever done. And that should sound daunting. You know, it's 12 teams ever. It was 10 teams ever before last season when the Warriors and the Spurs both did it. And that Spurs team might actually be a better lens to view this through because last year's Warriors were so historic and were you know they they went so far beyond that they won six more games than this team would have to 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 beat their over under. So you can look at that Spurs team, and then the other one you can look at are the Warriors from two years ago, the Warriors that won the championship with a 67 and 15 record, and so. That is a, a good little benchmark of this, and so really what you're looking at, the, there are lots of different ways you can define it, but if you, want to, if you want to think about it in terms of point differential, you're looking at something of a team that outscores opponents by about 10 points a game. Last year's Spurs were pretty close to the warriors, which which was a little, was over ten a game and if you want to look at net rating it go which is, net rating accounts for possessions it gets a little bit closer to twelve just because you know that's just how it works out in terms of which teams play more and fewer possessions so the Warriors could reach if you want to think about it, in terms of that threshold a few different ways, and one is that how the other two teams other than last year's Warriors did it was through great defenses. The 2014-15 Warriors had the best defense in the league and so did the Spurs last year and then they had offenses that were you know pretty good. The Warriors last year were second. I think the Spurs were in the top 10 maybe the top five and so but they had an even better defense than the Warriors did the year before. So you can do it that way and that's entirely possible. This team does have a reasonably high defensive ceiling. However, there are reasons to think that they won't get to it partially because the regular season doesn't matter a whole heck of a lot to them. So that's important to consider. But the Warriors could and arguably should have one of the best Defense or one of the best offenses that we've seen in modern history, maybe of all time. And last year's team was great. You know, they were number one in the league. They scored over 112 points per 100 possessions, which is crazy good. Depending on how you're defining the terms, they were probably the second best offense in the last decade, with the best being one of those famous seven seconds or less Suns teams. But this Warriors team should be meaningfully better offensively than last year's team because they. Downgraded a defense, losing Barnes, depending on how we see Barnes-Durant, but definitely from Boga to Patchouli. You know, that's a meaningful change, and they also got a little bit shallower in, in terms of everything else. We'll see how David West turns out. And if you want more about the depth, we talked about it a lot last week on the positions. So the defensive side will be a question mark, but offensively they should be better even than they were last year, even better than that amazing team. I mean, they added probably the second best defensive player in the or best offensive player in the league in Kevin Durant, and the number one guy is still on their team. And so, expecting Curry to replicate what he did last season is unrealistic because that was one of the best offensive seasons in the history of the league. But expecting him to take a a reasonable step back, even to what he was in his first MVP season, adding Durant is a huge step, and another year with Steve Kerr's offense and all the changes, because the year that the Warriors were second best in offense and won the title, that was the first year with Kerr, with Alvin Gentry, and all of that, and so there is a meaningful adjustment that has happened since then, and they have superior talent now. They have superior talent, and they also have probably superior talent in terms of bench offense as opposed to before. And so it depends on how the lineups sort themselves out, but having players like Ian Clark should really help that. And depending on how they structure the big men, they have some more offensively capable guys because, you know, Mo Buckets did what he did, but they they have a more unselfish system and they they also should be able to run more on the second unit if they want to. So all of that goes in favor of, of this number. And the other part that does is that the Warriors should, again, be a great clutch team. And so part of what helped them so much last year and what what brought history around was that when they closed with the death lineup or things like that, nobody really had a counter to that. And so they were able to win almost all of their close games. And so that pushed it from, let's say, 69 or 70 up to 73. And this team... Replaced that in that lineup, replaced Harrison Barnes with Kevin Durant. So that is a sea change that is massive. And while they likely will not go to that lineup very much during the regular season, those are the times that they will. And so this is a team that should be favored substantially if it get if it's close late. They will do well. And that also fundamentally changes it. So, you know, when they lose games, it'll probably be like what it was last year, where they get behind early, get, or get behind, you know, get caught up. Maybe at some point in the game, then they just don't have enough. That Bucks game where they just got knocked out of the water, same thing happened with the Blazers at the Moda Center right after the All-Star break. And so those kinds of things will happen. And that's probably going to be the most likely, let's call it, way that this team loses. And that bodes really well because there aren't that many teams overall that are going to blow them out of the water. And that actually gets into something that has been underappreciated in this whole thing. And so while some of the teams in the middle and maybe the lower echelon of the West have improved, there there are numerous ones that you could talk about. Memphis is a big one, and Minnesota should be better. They beat the Warriors last year. But the top arguably got worse in terms of beating the Warriors in a regular season game. The Spurs lost Tim Duncan, who was a linchpin for them defensively. The Clippers don't have a real perimeter stopper other than Chris Paul. They're probably going to play Wesley Johnson on Kevin Durant. That's a big problem for them. And teams like the Jazz and the revamped Grizzlies could be good, but we don't really know yet. So that helps a lot because even though those teams didn't put too many L's on the board for the Warriors last year, it helps give them a buffer. And they also did a great job last year of getting up for those types of games. So they'll have that. And then the other thing that the Warriors have is they have a lot of good, you could call it schedule wins if you want to. I'm going to do some more detailed schedule analysis on The Athletic this year. It's something that I care a lot about. But they have a surprisingly large amount of games that are at Oracle and they have the rest advantage. And so those. while the Warriors did lose twice at Oracle last year, they have been, over the last couple of years, a historically great home team. And those kind of games are a lot better for them because not only are they expected wins, but a lot of those will probably turn into blowouts. And so then you can get greater rest for the key players and use them in other circumstances. And they, they do have some tough back-to-backs. But another thing I talked about in the West, how the top has gotten weaker in the East, The top has gotten a little bit stronger. We'll see what happens with Cleveland and J.R. Smith, but Boston's better. Toronto should be about the same, assuming they play well. But the middle tier of the East, basically everybody outside of those three, because it's a big morass at that point. For those of you who are interested, I have a lot of podcasts coming out on that general topic for Real Jam Radio, and I'm sure we'll do it on Dunked On. But those teams outside of that top three... Their A game can certainly beat the Warriors. Absolutely. No questions asked. That happened last year. It happened two years ago. It happened. But it's going to take that sort of an effort because you can think about somebody like Orlando or Indiana. Those teams don't have enough firepower offensively and then a defensive identity to really knock them out. The Celtics beat the Warriors last year at Oracle. They're a great team. They also should, arguably should have beaten the Warriors the first time when they played at the Garden the day before the Warriors lost to the Bucks. So those top teams are going to be an issue, just like the top teams are going to be an issue in the West. But outside of them, it will be a lot harder for a team to come up and and shock this team. And that is a major help when you're thinking about trying to maybe not make history, but get get close. And winning 67 three times in a row would be. So all of that largely weighs in favor of the over, which is... A crazy high number, and that's the first big point that runs against it, is that a lot of things make this more challenging. So, you have, when you're talking about a historic thing, when only 12 teams have done it in history, there's a reason for that, and that's injuries, ineffectiveness... Chemistry, any anything can happen because think about upward mobility and downward mobility. It's hard to think of a, a, a way that this team can propel much beyond that. But there are a lot of things that can sidetrack any squad, and so all of those things largely weigh against it. So the unpredictability of everything that happens in an NBA season. We've already seen this this past week with Chris Bosh unfortunately getting a setback and Chris Middleton tearing his hamstring for the Bucks, which. Helps them be more beatable against the warriors, but it gives it gives a good lens into how this sort of thing can happen and The other part that is really worth considering here is that this warriors team will not be as driven in the regular season as they have been in prior years. They were able to keep their foot you know reasonably on the gas pedal in twenty fourteen fifteen and not suffer any particular ill consequences from it. That was partially helped by having a pretty light slate, let's say, in the playoffs, because they faced teams that they should beat in the early rounds. And then, you know, then they got the Rockets in the conference finals and, and everything like that. Last year, they pushed to the end of the regular season to make history, which they did. But that might have had some spillover effect, and what is important is not necessarily whether that did or did not, whether pushing hard for 73 hurt them at all in the playoffs, or whether even they contributed to Steph Curry's injury, which I contend it may probably did at least a little bit, just, just, you know, it's all risk factors, it might have made it more likely, but whatever, whether it was cause, whether it was just fluke, anything, that solidified the idea that the regular season is not that meaningful for this team and it not being that meaningful is important because there won't be that situation necessarily with with Steve Kerr saying oh man look we're behind but why eight points in the fourth quarter we have to bring these guys back and win this game and that lack of urgency is extremely important because the NBA season is exceedingly long and a lot of the times when a team gets behind like that, it's because of these situational factors. I talked about the Warriors' schedule wins in the pro category, but there are will be games where this, where that runs against them, where they're on the tail end of a back-to-back, they're the last game on a road trip, and they're just tired, and they don't have it all the way to get back. And when you aren't pushing for anything in particular it does make it a lot harder. And the other big factor here ties in with something that Coach Kerr talked about at length during last season, when people in the media, periodically myself included, pressed him on why this team was pushing so hard for the wins record. And up until the last week of the year, he was able to point to the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are the other team in recent past that won 67 or more games, and their presence made it that the Warriors needed to push harder than a team that was close to history normally would. And so they made getting home court advantage a priority. It ended up being a notable help in the in the West. And, you know, they lost a game seven at home in the finals, but it certainly was a help. It wasn't a hindrance in any sort of way. So pushing for that especially in the Western Conference, presumably will not be nearly as hard as it was last year. The Spurs lost Tim Duncan. They are older now than they were before, and they're a lot less certain because they lost Duncan, but they also lost David West to the Warriors. Boban Marjanovic is now on the the Pistons, and so they're going to be rolling in some young guys with Jonathan Simmons, with Kyle Anderson, and so the Spurs will probably take a meaningful step back, you know, maybe mid-50s, high-50s and the Clippers, they were 55 wins last year, or 53. They could be better. You never really know. Blake Griffin missed a lot of time last year, but anyway, even if they're, unless they blow it apart and get into the 60s, this Warriors team is not going to be pushed too hard there, and on the other side of the ledger, if if they're thinking about home court in the finals, which is a long way to think ahead, but this team certainly warrants that, Cleveland has even less motivation to push right away than the Warriors do because the East should be a step down from that and because Cleveland has no real reason to fear being a lower seed. Kerr said last year that it was a priority for them. I don't think Cleveland really cares at all. They Last year, Toronto was playing was playing really well and you know throughout the regular season they fell apart a little bit in the playoffs they had some injuries and everything like that but Cleveland doesn't fear anybody in their conference so they could be you know they could be good they have a lot of talent but they could also be in the you know high 50s maybe even mid or low 50s as well because they don't really have anything to prove and if the J.R. Smith thing lasts a while so all that feeds into the idea that the Warriors could be a little bit weaker because they don't have to push as hard and effort is a major determining factor in a lot of these games. You know, that that's what decides some of the games, not not the close ones, which the Warriors will be good in, but those ones that get decided more in the third quarter, that they just won't have the oomph to come all the way back or the energy to do it. And The Warriors will have a I expect that they'll have some more cohesive bench units this year, depending on how Coach Kerr wants to use it. That's another issue I will talk a lot about on this podcast and in my writing between now and then. So that'll help. You know, I think that there will be less of an issue of those non-starter units hemorrhaging leads and things of that nature. But it will it will potentially factor into everything else. So you have those two kind of big camps. This is going to be a really good team. They could have a historically great offense while still maintaining a very good defense. And then you also have the total difference in motivation, that this is a team that understands that their legacy is barely, if at all, defined in the regular season. So those two things go on big camps. And what I've ended up falling back on, having thought about This team for a while, but thinking about the number since it came out, I think it was on Tuesday of last week, is one very basic fact, which is that the Warriors with Kevin Durant will be able to beat almost every other team in this league without their best game. They have two all-time offensive players. They have a lot of good defensive guys. And getting, let's say, two of the four stars firing even pretty well, you know, getting, let's say, like a decent game out of them Will be enough to knock out 90% of the league in all likelihood on a regular season basis. You know, in the playoffs, rotations tighten up and things like that, and then the margins get a lot tighter and you'll lose some of those games. But in the regular season, that should be enough. And they also have individual motivations, which are very important in this. I talked about it more from the team construct, but Kevin Durant has a lot to prove this year. He's going to be, you know, he's that kind of divisive figure. And from when I've interacted with him, and I do not mean this as a slight in this at all, is that he does have a memory with this sort of thing. He remembers who criticized him. Anybody who watched his interview on any given Wednesday with Bill Simmons can attest to that, that he, he remembers this sort of thing. Steph Curry needs to show that he can come back, you know, that the finals, he had that great interview with Sam Amick talking about game seven and how it haunts him. And he was the unanimous MVP. And yet the defining part of that season for him is that he couldn't bring it in the finals. And, you know, if you want to go all the way to those last couple possessions with Kevin Love on him, he's Curry. I've covered him his entire career. He's an incredibly competitive guy that will linger. And there are similar issues, backgrounds with Draymond Green more prominently and Clay Thompson. So, they will at moments just say, okay, I, I'm going to take it over, and they want to prove themselves, and we'll see what, what combinations are used, but they all have in- incredible talent and a lot of reason to fight for that. And almost every single other player on this team, other than some of the youngsters, is on an expiring contract. Pachulia, David West... James Michael McAdoo, Ian Clark, you know, all those guys. And that is something that is more on the fringes, more on the margins. But it certainly is something that comes into play that you don't know how often you're going to play on a team that is this good. And so you need to push it when you can. And that could really work in their favor to have those stretches where people just go after it. And a lot of, you know, you would think that a team with this many successful players on it wouldn't have that kind of a chip on their shoulder. But, they didn't win the title, they blew the three one lead, and a lot of the individuals have either financial motivation or reputation motivation and those things are incredibly important and that also does tie in with something that is another one of the compelling things in terms of Vegas. so if I had to ballpark it, you know I, I think that they're going the over is 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 a, is the better bet there, but i I probably wouldn't touch it just because that's so high that you can think about everything that can go wrong. And that can push that and make it make it tough. You know, if one, of the, one or two of those key guys misses even 10 to 15 games, it gets a lot harder. And that certainly is possible this year or any other year. The other number that's out there now is the title odds. And so title odds last I saw were at five to seven. So what that means is you have to bet seven dollars to get back five and then you get your stake back, of course. So that means it's better than 50 percent. Better than fifty percent sounds about right for right now. The problem with that is that it'll always, you know, there's a lot that can change with it. It can change even as late as you know, in the in the playoffs. And what I, I don't bet on sports. I've I've said it before. I'll probably say it for the rest of my life. I don't bet on sports. But the one really compelling part of this is that that line changes a lot with time, and so. You can look at the Warrior schedule if that's something that you're really in on is, oh, man, they're going to win the championship. And they're not going to start out the season as crazy hot as they did last year. I mean, it just doesn't seem possible. So that uh, those odds will probably drop at some point, and you can assess at that point whether you think the drop is just some people losing confidence and that they're good enough, or if that is something legitimate. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's just that they're not meshing as well as, as they expected. And so evaluating it at that point as opposed to now when there's a lot of uncertainty, but that uncertainty is not priced in that number at all. So that's something to think about. And it's a lot, it, it's a great way for those of you who also follow the rest of the league, over-unders and title odds are a great way of honing your own thoughts on it. And that's part of the reason why it has become a hallmark of the Dunked On podcast that I do with Nate Duncan and of Real Jam Radio, the one that I do as more of a solo project when I do with Arturo Goletti every year. And we're going to do that in the next couple of weeks is that you really, even if you're not putting your money where your mouth is, you still have to think about how these teams fit in with everybody else, and if you are a Warriors fan, on nights that they don't play, a big part of what you will probably be doing is figuring out who the biggest threat is, and if you're not just enjoying basketball, do enjoy basketball, and Using over-unders and expectations and title odds is a great way to do that and to figure things out and to set your own concept of where the league is at the beginning, middle, and end of the year. And if Warriors fans have those free nights and want to go in that direction, it will be a really fulfilling year because some of these squads, the Jazz might be the most obvious, maybe the Celtics, could look substantially different at the end of the year than they do at the beginning. Not necessarily in terms of personnel, but in terms of how their team fits and cohesiveness and everything like that, in a way parallel to what the Warriors did in 2014-15 if you are as focused on the title as it seems like almost all of us are, those kinds of questions, if you have a a better answer on it, will be, will make it more fun in the playoffs and and will give you a different kind of investment. So, you know, if you can throw one night a week or one game a week at that sort of a thing, I would recommend it. And for those of you who are, I'll probably be doing some pieces for The Athletic on that. So, over-under a really fun topic, something that I I enjoy quite a bit. I'll probably, you know, mix around with it a little bit in the future and... For those of you who have other ideas for stuff, I'm going to be, as we get more into this open schedule, I'm going to be doing it in a mix. I'm debating exactly how to do it because I know I want to do mailbags at some times, but then also maybe building a bank of questions for other stuff. So there are a series of ways that you can do it. I'll probably use Reddit as well, but you can also hit me up on Twitter at Danny Leroux, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. But probably the best way, if it's kind of a bigger question, would be to use uh, danielaroumba at gmail.com. And the reason for that is that I keep all those emails, and I've gotten a series of good ones from listeners to the show, and I really do appreciate that because if it's in my inbox, I can make sure that it stays toward the top, and then I can store them, and I'll probably create a, you know, a Word document or a Google document, and then just if an episode is running a little shorter than I'd like, I can do that. And we'll also be doing it with guests. It's not just going to be for solo episodes or anything like that. So if you have questions that you want answered. And if there's a time frame on it in a little bit, that, that's great. I might not always follow it, but there are some things that'll be a little bit maybe later in the process, like how Durant's fitting in with the team or something like that. And there's some that can be answered a little bit earlier on. And also one thing that would be great to know, just because when you're developing a podcast, you don't exactly know who and what the listenership is going to be, whether there is interest in getting into things like explaining terms like advanced stats like in this one i i, I reference net rating a little bit and i don't know with this listenership whether it crosses over to some of the other stuff that i do whether explaining that is a worthwhile endeavor you know maybe like a minute or two or whether that should got, be left out and and not really talked about so let me know with that you can follow locked on warriors if you prefer it that way locked on dubs on twitter locked on warriors at com, locked on warriors on facebook and if you like the show, that's great. Really appreciate it. Please subscribe. Download every episode. Uh, add a, you know, mention it to your friends. Add a review. Add a rating. It really does help. As as crazy as it sounds, those kinds of things are extremely important, especially early on. And word of mouth is going to be important. You know, I, my, it is my sincere hope that the show will pop more when the season is happening. Analysis of games is part of what my bread is buttered on now, both in writing and over the airwaves. But you know, it's still it's still a process to get through all of this kind of stuff and to explain it. So, if you are enjoying it, that is wonderful. I fully expect the show to be better from here. But thank you so much for listening. And as I said, almost in every episode, your input is greatly appreciated. And I already gave the contact information. But Danny Larue, Danny Larue MBA at gmail.com, Those kinds of things. As as we work through it, I've already gotten some great comments, and really do appreciate that because it's the best way to make the show better. I am as close to kind of a perfectionist as you can be with this sort of thing while being realistic about the medium. And so your input helps me think about that because I have my own sensibilities, but it is important to know what the people who are putting in their time to listen think as well. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99.